You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. The Bible declares that salvation is of the Jews. So in this episode by Brother David Evans, we are looking at what Jesus meant when he said to the Samaritan woman, salvation is of the Jews. It leads on to the question, of course, what is meant by worshipping God in spirit and in truth? If you open your Bibles at John chapter 4, that's where this quotation which comes from Jesus is written salvation is of the Jews so it seems to make sense that if we just read the chapter through rather than just read it through then we read it through again so we'll go through it slowly uh, today and see what's written and so if we go to the first verse if you've got your bible open at John chapter 4 we'll start at verse 3 to follow through the incident that led up to Jesus saying salvation is of the Jews now what we read is that Jesus Uh, in, in these verses we read this he that is Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee now the area of Judea as you can see on the map is this southern area in the land of Israel and the land of Galilee where Jesus was attending going to is up in the north so he's going north and he must needs go through Samaria. So he decided that his journey would take him through that green area on the map. He's going to go through the area of Samaria, as you can see it set up there on that. So this is what we're following. And if you need to keep the geography a little bit in your mind as we go, because quite a few things happened there. Then, they, then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And I've got Sychar there in that little red circle. So Sychar is the town we're going to concentrate on. And what's more, we're told it's near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. If you're just noting things, you'll find Jacob is mentioned three times in the next few verses because it becomes rather important as far as this woman is concerned. So it's near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph, and that would have been 4,000 years or 2,000 years before this woman uh, was talking to Jesus, as we'll read, and uh, about 4,000 years ago. Now it goes on to say Jacob's well was there. So that's the second time Jacob is mentioned. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied with the journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour of the day. That's about midday. So often at midday we all get a bit uh, thinking we need a drink because he's been walking up uh, to Galilee and he gets as far as uh, Sychar. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me to drink. That's quite a logical question, isn't it? It would seem, but we'll notice it wasn't. So he's sitting on the edge of this well and uh, she's come out to draw water from the well. Now let's just do a little bit more about this. A little bit of the Hebrew background of that name of that town called Sychar. In the Hebrew, the name is Sychar or Shechem and here it's called uh, also Sikkim. So there's three names we've got. The Greek name in, is Sychar. It was also called Shechem and uh, Sikkim. And uh, when God told Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to Haran and then down into the land, God said, go to a land that I will show you and give you. And he, we're told this, that when Abraham got to that particular place where Jesus is sitting on the well, not that the well was there then, Jesus is there And what we read is that when Abraham got there, it's the first place he arrived at in the land we know today as Israel. And the Lord appeared unto him, as it says in Genesis 12, verse 7, the Lord appeared unto unto Abram and said, unto thy seed I will give this land. That's quite an amazing thing. That's the first time God spoke to Abraham in the land. And he says to Abraham, as he's there between, there's two mountains there, and he's sitting there in the valley, he's got there, And God speaks to him and said, I'll give this land to your seed. And so Abraham built an altar unto the Lord that appeared to him. Now, the word seed in the Bible is probably an older word today. It's a descendant or an offspring. He was going to have a child or a, a, a descendant. And God says, I'll give this land to that descendant. So it's 
becomes now quite an interesting place where Jesus has come and he's sitting there on the well. Verse 9, if you've got your Bible open. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? And then we've got this little comment. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered by the Jews as an unclean race. They weren't Jews. They felt that they were so far away from understanding what they believed God required that they will not have any dealings with them. But Jesus, as we see, asked for a drink from her. And she is surprised. She says, how is it that you're asking a drink from me? I'm a Samaritan and you people have no dealings with this and you're asking me for a drink. It becomes quite interesting as Jesus answers. Jesus said unto her, if thou knew the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou would have said unto him, uh, uh, that would have uh, asked him and he would have given the living water. So obviously the Lord is drawing this conversation out to teach some lesson. So he starts off, can you give me a drink? Now he's saying, look, if you'd asked me, I would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? So now we've got two types of water, the water down the well, and Jesus is talking about living water, and she is trying to find, what is this Jew speaking to me in the first place? Now he's speaking in a kind of figurative language about living water. Well, let's just pause for a minute and find out who these Samaritans really are. You can see the map there. What happened about the year 720 BC, it's the same time as Isaiah wrote, by the way, uh, we talked about that this morning here, uh, Isaiah spoke about the Assyrians coming down into Israel. Well, what happened was these Assyrians here came down into the area of Israel and they took these northern tribes, the ones I've got in red there in that circle, took them away and scattered them in different countries. And what they did was then bring other people in to repopulate the area. So they took people from other countries, settled them in the area, and now you've got a mixture. There were some Jews left there and there was uh, these uh, Gentiles, as I would call them, brought in. And, uh, of course, they brought their particular forms of worship and their gods that they worship. So there becomes a mixture of religions developing. And the area was called Samaria because the capital of that area, the capital town, was Samaria. So it gave its name to the whole area. Now, the people became known as Samaritans because they're living in that area and it's a mixed-up group. In the days of Nehemiah, if you're familiar with the Bible, the Samaritans came down and said, look, we'd like to help build, we'd like to do things here. And they were sent away because they said, you, you don't worship the God we worship. What actually happened is the son of the high priest had married a woman from Samaria. So he was expelled from the Jewish community in Jerusalem that were building a temple. And he went north up to Mount Gerizim, which is, we'll have a look in a minute where that is, and he set up another false worship, thinking he was worshipping really the God of Israel, but it was now a mixed religion. He'd mixed it with the Samaritans. And so he and that group up there that did claim to be worshipping the, the God of Israel, but in fact adjusted to meet their needs, they only used the first five books of the Bible, called the Pentateuch. They only used Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. The first five books, they didn't use the other books of the Bible. And so their religion was quite distinct from the Jews down in the area of Judea who were worshipping at the temple in Jerusalem, which had been rebuilt in the days of Nehemiah. So we know now the Samaritans have got a mixed kind of religion, but they do acknowledge that there was a God in Israel and they're really claiming to be worshipping it up here where... Uh, this man by the name of Manasseh had gone up as a priest and set up a religion there. Let's keep reading. Back at John, John chapter 4, verse 12. Now watch what this woman says. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Now that's the third time Jacob has been mentioned in these few verses. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Now you realise what she's saying. She says, we are descendants of Jacob, you know. Now, of course, we'll find that that's a mixed kind of descent it is. And he gave us this well. 
and he drank from it himself and his cattle. Now we'd seen, this is where Abraham came, now we find Jacob had also visited there. We'll have a look at that in a minute. Jesus answered and said unto her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus is still speaking enigmatically. He's causing this woman to have to think through what's being said. But be, just note, she says, our father Jacob gave us this, this well. He's our father. We're connected with him. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw us. He said, well, if you've got this living water, I don't know what you're quite talking about, but if you can give me water that's living water, and I don't have to walk out here from the village or the town of Sychar to get water, please give that to me. So you see the conversation is developing, isn't it? And this woman's now questioning in her mind, this is unusual language this man's using. But she's very severe, very clear. We are descendants of Jacob. Well, let's find out a bit about Jacob. First of all, notice that the word Jacob has occurred three times so far in your Bible. Remember, Sychar is near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? Now, just in case you don't know who Jacob was, Abraham, who's called the father of the Jews, he was told when he was at that place, your seed will inherit this land. Isaac is the son of Abraham, and Jacob is the son of Isaac and the grandson of Abraham. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel by God. God changed his name to Israel. And this, by the way, is where we hear today of the nation of Israel. There's a land in the Middle East called Israel. It goes right back to this time here when God called this man Jacob Israel. And so the nation of Israel is a descendant of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, a descendant of Isaac, and a descendant of Abraham, who's the father of the Jewish nation. Well, let's find out a bit about Jacob, because... Jacob's been mentioned three times. So Jacob came to the area of Salem and to the city of Shechem. So he, Jacob here, so I've got the little red dotted line on the map. Jacob's coming back from up where his uh, father's family had come from. And he comes down and his mother's family. And he comes back to the land that had been, the land that Abraham had been in. And he returns there. And he comes in, we read here, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padanaram and pitched his tent before the city of Sikkim, where they're sitting there at the well and having this discussion. And he brought a parcel of a field, so he owned a part of the land there, where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. And note this. And he erected there an altar. So it is a place of worship. Jacob did worship there. And he called the name of it Eloah Israel. Which means the God, the God of Israel. So this woman's got to say, now hang on, if I'm a descendant of Jacob, and Jacob's my father, and this is where he worshipped, and this is the land he had, she may have forgotten that the altar that was built where they claimed to worship was actually called the God, the God of Israel. So it's of Israel, right? And she's a Samaritan, has got a, a mixed religion up there where they live. And so we just need to understand that when we read of Jews, Israelites that lived in this area of Judea, when the Greeks came, they as we do with names, uh, different countries have different ways they pronounce names, they shortened Judea to Jew. So a person that lived in the area of Judea or in that part of Israel was called a Jew. And so that's when the woman said the Jews don't have any dealing with us Samaritans. That's the word Jew. It's based upon the idea of Judea or descendants of uh, one of the tribes of Judah. 
Okay, so there's a little bit of background. Let's go on to see what the woman says. Jesus said to her, go and call thy husband and come hither. Pretty bold, isn't it? So Jesus says, listen, you want this living water. Go and get your husband and bring him here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. That's pretty frank. She said, oh, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, thou hast well said I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that you spoke the truth. Now this, of course, is an illuminating thing for this woman. Here's a man that I've just met sitting on this well. Jews don't normally talk to Samaritans. And we've got into this conversation about living water, and now he's able to tell me that he knows I've had five husbands. And the person she's living with now is not her husband. Now watch her reply to this. It's quite informative. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Right? What that tells us is this woman was aware that God had prophets that could tell the future, could tell events that were hidden to others. Now it's interesting to know that in the first five books of the Bible there is one particular prophecy about Jesus Christ. God said to Moses, and Moses said to Israel, as I've got it here, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, you might like to note it in your notes. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto you, Moses, and I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. She's saying, are you a prophet? And what she knew from Deuteronomy, that there was going to come a prophet who would be like Moses, who could tell them the things that God wanted them to know. God would speak through this prophet. Now, elsewhere in the New Testament, we know that this prophet was Jesus Christ. It was foretelling the birth of Jesus Christ. But now she's lifted the tone of the conversation from water. She's saying, now hang on. In her mind, she's thinking, this man knows what I've done in my life. Five husbands is quite a unique thing, I would imagine. And uh, she says, this has got to be a prophet. Are you a prophet? Now, there's only one burning question she had in her mind. And we'll see what it was. Now, just watch this carefully. I mean, if you meet a prophet, what would you say? You could say, if you're a young woman, am I going to marry a handsome man that's rich? Or whatever, you know. person studying at university, you meet a prophet, am I going to pass my exams? Just watch what she asks. Our fathers... Who were the fathers? Well, she's already pointed out Abra uh, that Jacob was their father, the descendant of Isaac and Abraham. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and the mountain she's speaking about is Mount Gerizim, where that temple was built. She said, our fathers worshipped here. Here's Jacob's well on the map. Here's Sychar between the two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. You say, you Jews say, Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. It's an amazing question, isn't it? You stop and think about it. The thing that had been gnawing away at her mind wasn't, who am I going to marry next? She had been spending time thinking, the Jews down there worship at Jerusalem. We worship here. I want to know where I can find the true place to worship and worship God faithfully. She's a woman of quite a lot of depth spiritually, though morally she seemed as if either she couldn't cook and she had five husbands and I can't put up with this or what. But anyway, watch Jesus' answer. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Notice that. Our fathers, the Father. Jesus says, no, no. You say, our fathers worshipped God here. Jacob worshipped here. He built the altar there. The altar called the God, the God of Israel. She's saying, do we worship here or here? And Jesus says, the time's coming when you won't worship here or here. The hour cometh. Okay, so he's starting to answer her question. And the question is about worshipping God properly. The matter of water's been forgotten. She's going on to the question that had been in her mind. I wonder whether I go to that church 
or this church, as it were. And a person today may be in the same situation. I think, okay, I go to this church and they, this church does happy clapping stuff, this church over here burns incense all the time, whatever. I want to find out what's right. It's a very serious question. And Jesus says, well, if you're going to worship the Father, and there's only one Father, then we've got to follow that up. Ye know not what ye, ye know not, uh, you worship, you know not what. He says, you don't know what you're worshipping. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. There's the quote. She says, we know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. Now, this is very important. He says, you're going to a church, you really don't know what you worship. Salvation itself. Now, listen to his lips a little He's talking about salvation is of the Jews. She was saying, where do we worship God? He's saying, well, it's not a matter of worshipping this God or that God. Let's find out about God. And there's an interesting quote in Isaiah, Isaiah 45. This is where God speaks. There is uh, no God else beside me. That's God speaking. A just God and a saviour. So Jesus says salvation is of the Jews. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. Jews, Samaritans, Greeks, Romans, even Australians. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. I am God and there is none else. Now the woman was saying, do we worship here or there? Jesus is lifting it to a different dimension, isn't he? He says, we're talking about salvation. If you're going to worship a God... There's got to be some form of salvation. In other words, why are you doing it? Well, why are you worshipping a God if there's no promised blessing in it? In Jeremiah it says, A man makes a gods unto himself and they are no gods. How true that is. You know, people make gods. I've travelled around different places and, for example, you go to places where they worship Buddha. But they worship Buddha because they believe there's a future. The future is that their life will go on and there'll be something else in the next life and the next life till they finally get to Nirvana and then they got there. It's a God that they worship that believes offers something. Muslims worship their God, Allah. Because Allah, they believe, promises them to go up to some paradise where there's trees and water and grass and everything else. That's where they'll go if they lose their life fighting for Allah or die. Good religions have a future of salvation man just does not want to believe he dies he's got to go somewhere so salvation is very important but what we're reading in this verse is there's only one god there's no god beside me i am god and there is no other and i am a just god and a savior this needs to be worked out it's not the place where you worship it's the god you worship that's important are we seeing that <laughs> Mount Gerizim, Jerusalem is not all that important. It's the God you worship. So he says, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. He goes on to say, but the hour, by the way, if you come it in the word worship here, it's the most concentrated form of the word worship in the Bible. In these verses here, keep, I've got them in red here just to try and show you, and I've already let some go by already. The hour cometh and now is. It's not an optional thing as to whether you do this or not. The hour is now that true worshippers, it's the person, not the place, true worshippers shall worship the Father. Notice Jesus has used that expression again, in spirit and truth. For the Father, she'd said, our Father's worshipped here. She says, listen, we're talking about there is one Father. And if you're going to worship him, you worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the question was, where do I worship acceptably? Jesus says, where is irrelevant? 
you know, where is it relevant? For example, Muslims go to Mecca, right? It's pretty important to make an aliyah to, uh, a hajj rather, to Mecca. And you think, well, I've, I've got a brownie point, I'll end up under a palm tree up there in paradise. You've really got to find out who God is, not where to worship. So it's not a matter of where, it's how you worship the Father, the Father. It's imperative you know how. The worship of the Father must be in spirit and truth. Ah, so you've got to find the truth. That was very important. Actually, just as an aside, uh, I was in Beijing and met a person there that believed in the Bible and became a, a, a believer in the truth as we know it. But her husband was a judge. He's a Buddhist. And uh, she wanted us to try and have discussions with him. And they came down to Adelaide and uh, spent 10 days with us. And because he's a judge, I said to him, now look, you're a committed Buddhist. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm a Buddhist. I am definitely a Buddhist. I said, that's good. Well, I'm definitely what you'd call a Christian, but I believe the Bible. So what we can do, because you're a judge, and uh, when I was a younger man, I was... Uh, law clerk for a legal firm for a short time and uh, I said look we'll, what we'll do is apply the principles of evidence that you would allow in your court I will give my evidence for my God and the writings of my God and you give your evidence for the writings of your God and each evening we would go driving around Adelaide up the hills and all that but in the evening we'd come back and his wife had also done law and uh, we would sit down and Mary and one or two others used to come around, they enjoyed it. And we sat down, I said, okay, I'll put down my evidence, you put down your evidence. If I raise something you won't allow in your court, on the, it's a, a, what's called the laws of evidence, what's allowed to be used for evidence. And uh, I gave my evidence for the, the document called the Bible. So he started to give his evidence for, for Buddhism. And I, by the way, I had to do a fair bit of reading before he came. And I said, look, I just don't want to worry you, but you wouldn't allow that evidence in your court. He looked surprised at me. I said, look, I've tabulated my evidence and given the historical veracity for those actual documents written by people, accepted as written by those people. But Buddha's writings were written from memory 500 years after Buddha. You wouldn't accept hearsay evidence. Yeah, he looked at me and he said, you're right. You're right. Well, it's quite interesting. We went on for different topics, and uh, he's no longer a Buddhist. Um, he went away and thought about it and gave that up. Okay, so let's go on. It's a matter of serving in spirit and truth. You need to search out what the truth is. It's not a matter of saying, well, this is a nice, comfortable area, and they, I don't know, they, they make it happy for you, and uh, we all sing and do this, or this is a nice place because you always, you know confessions here and whatever it is whatever the religion is you've got to say no no i've got to worship god in truth it's not where where is irrelevant the woman said do we do worship here or there jesus says no no where is irrelevant and what's more jesus knew from the word of god that jerusalem was going to be destroyed about 80 70 anyway there was no temple there after that and uh, likewise the romans went down and uh, wiped out the samaritans up there so both were finished it's a matter of acceptable worship now i'd just like to talk about this worshiping in spirit and truth remember i said that uh, we looked at the quote where jacob gave a parcel of land to his son joseph well the time came when joseph's body was to be buried and it was buried at shechem or sikkim sychar joshua just before the burial of Joseph's body he gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem to exactly where this woman is talking to Jesus and this is what Joshua said right there in Shechem where Jesus is talking to this woman he says Joshua said to Israel now therefore fear Yahweh Hebrew it's the name of the Hebrew God the Lord and serve him in sincerity or spirit and truth if you're going to worship God, you worship him in sincerity and truth, or spirit and truth, as Jesus used the words here. If you're going to worship, you've got to worship in spirit and truth correctly. It says, otherwise, put away the gods you've got, turn away from false religious worship, and worship God in sincerity and truth. 
And we won't read all of this, but at the end of it, Joshua says to everybody, you work out what you're going to do. It's a personal issue. If you're going to worship Yahweh, the God of Israel, then you worship him in sincerity and truth. You know what he requires. You know the truth concerning his teachings. If you decide to worship gods, that's your choice. But we are going to worship the God of Israel. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Just a little comment here. Without, worship without truth is a delusion. You've deluded yourself. Look, I say this quite genuinely. A Buddhist is deluded. They have never sat down to find out if the fundamental is true regarding Buddha and what he claims. The same with Muslims. Uh, I have got the Koran and read much of it. You know, it's, I've looked into it. So that's not able to be proven. Whereas in the Bible, we have God setting out the truth and the trite way to worship him. So if your religion is not based on truth, it is a form of idolatry. Now, that's pretty sober thinking, isn't it? If you're worshipping in a church, and you feel, oh, I feel very happy in my church, you've never checked out against God's word, which is truth, whether it's a church based on truth, you're actually in a form of idolatry. It is no God, the God you're worshipping. He doesn't exist. You might say, well, that's the God of the Bible. Have you checked it against the Bible, the religion of that church? Is it in harmony with the true teachings of the Bible? Jesus said to that woman, you worship, you know not what. And the tragedy is so often you go to talk to people about the Bible and their religion, and that comes out. They are comfortable. Their parents went there, their grandparents went there. They married somebody that went to that church and so I joined that without thinking it out. So we're seeing this discussion with this woman at Samaria is, is quite relevant to us. The woman said unto him, now notice this woman, she was no deal. She says, I know that Messiah cometh. That's the Hebrew word, Messiah, which is called Christ. That's the Greek word. And the word Messiah is the Hebrew word for the anointed, which is the English word. And the word Christ is the Greek word for the anointed. So she's making sure, she's, I'm speaking to a Jew, but the language of the day, because the Alexander's Greek Empire had 300 years running over that area there. They all spoke Greek as well. So she says, look, I know Messiah is coming. Or Christ, or the anointed. When he comes, he will tell us all things. This woman knew quite a bit about the Bible, didn't she? She was floundering in her life. But when she had the opportunity to find out what the truth was, and she realised this man was a prophet because he was able to relate her former life accurately, she says, look, I know when Christ comes, he will tell us all things. Here's a very interesting thing. You may know this. Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. Do you know Jesus never said that to the Jews at any stage because they kept saying he wasn't Christ? So the woman left her water pot and went away to the city and said to the men, come and see a man that told me all I ever did. Is not this the Christ? There's a woman that found a fundamental truth and said, I've got to tell other people. Really is a challenge to each of us if we claim we know the truth. Do we tell people? She runs off to the town to tell everybody, I have found Christ. Okay, as I said, the majority of Jews rejected that. For example, in the night of the trial of Jesus Christ before he was crucified, the high priest, speaking to Jesus, answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, Thou hast said, I am Christ. You've seen the miracles I've done, you've heard the teaching I've had, and all you did was out of envy, you want to get rid of me so you can have your position. I am Christ. And that's one of the rare occasions when Christ did express that he was Christ. 
what did the high priest do? Rent his clothes, said, this is blasphemy, this man saying he's Christ. And he was. We, why do we need any more witnesses? He's spoken blasphemy. They said he's guilty of death. And that's why they killed Jesus. They rejected him as Christ, their Messiah. And here's a woman running off to a town to say, hey, I've found a man that can tell us the truth. He's a prophet and he is Christ. It's a matter of searching out the Bible and finding out the true doctrines of the Bible. Well, what happened was many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me ever I did. I mean, you can imagine, I go back and say, you know what? He knew that I'd been married five times. I didn't think. He actually told me I'd been married five times and who I'm with now is not my husband. And as she related this, many people believed, said, well, it's an amazing thing. But watch this. So the Samaritans came to him and besought him that he would tarry with them and he stayed there for two days. He spent about three and a half years with the Jews and they finally killed him, denying that he was Christ. He spends two days in Samaria and many more believed because of his own word. They listened to what Jesus was teaching during those two days. They actually spent time listening to the teaching of Jesus, just as each one of us can spend time sitting down and reading what Jesus said, reading what God said in the Bible. Know it for yourself. That's what was happening. And said unto the woman, now we believe. Not because of what you said. We know that this is indeed the Christ, the saviour of the world. Remember Jesus said, salvation is of the Jews. Well, what they've worked out is, it, salvation is of the Jews. But it's for all the world. As Jesus, as God said, remember that quote in Isaiah 45? I'm a just God and a saviour. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. There is no other God beside me. Don't go anywhere else. The God of the Bible, the God of Israel, is the God that is a saviour. And that through Jesus Christ, he is the saviour of the world. The one that God sent to provide salvation for us. Now, the word Jesus means God's salvation. God is the saviour, and through Jesus Christ, he provided the way of salvation by baptism into him. So Jesus had said, salvation is of the Jews. When Jesus was born, or before he was born, Joseph was told by the angel that Mary would bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. Our problem is sin. Sin brings death. And God has provided a way of salvation from sin and death. You know, it would be utterly foolish to not check that out carefully. As I said, the uh, Buddhist friend that we spent time talking with, it's a, it's a fiction. The idea that you die and you'll come back as something better and you'll come back as something better again. It's not true. Because here's the truth. There is one God. And he says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He's the saviour of the world. And through Jesus Christ, he's provided salvation from sin. The wages of sin is death. If our sins can be forgiven, there's the answer to that. And we've got to find out how. Well, let's go on a bit further. What have we found? Jesus did say salvation is of the Jews. Jesus is the promised Christ. Jesus was a Jew and therefore a descendant of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The Samaritans realised that Jesus was the saviour of the world, not just Jews. So we've got some facts in place. But I'd like to go back now and just look at something else that was said to Abraham. Because remember, it was Abraham that first came to that place as recorded in the Bible. And it was God said to Abraham when he got there, under thy seed I will give this land. Let's just have a look at that. This is what happened. God said to Abraham in Shechem, so in this place here, Shechem, God said, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, unto thy seed or your offspring I will give this land. So God is promising the land to the descendant of Abraham. 
God went on a bit further to explain that. In verse 14 of chapter 13, he said, the Lord said to Abram, after that Lot was separate from him, his nephew went away and took their flock somewhere else and Abraham was left. God said, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward and westward. In other words, take a good geographic view around all this land where you are. Now notice what he said. All the land which you see, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. You know, reading the Bible is not hard. I mean, I dare say there's students here from that Heritage College that's near here that could read that quite clearly and say, I know what that means. God says, all the land which he saw, God was going to give to Abraham and to Abraham's seed forever. Okay, that's quite clear. If you've got something forever, we've got a problem, haven't we? Because we all die. Oh, here's something that may be telling us about eternal life. But what we want to find out is, who's this offspring? Who's this offspring or seed that's promised? Well, the New Testament explains it very clearly. Remember God said to him, all the land which you see, I'll give it to you, Abraham, and to your seed forever, right? So God said that to Abraham. And Paul, in the letter to the Galatians, says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. God promised the land to Abraham and his seed. He said not, and to seeds, he didn't say a lot of people, as many, but unto one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So he's speaking about a descendant of Abraham, and he says that descendant that was promised then, God foresaw that Christ would come as the descendant of Abraham, through whom this promise can be fulfilled. So God promised the land to Abraham and his seed. By the way, if you open the book, the New Testament, the first verse you read in the New Testament, it says, the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. So any person just saying, we're going to read the New Testament, you read the first verse, you say, I don't even know what this is about. It's about Abraham and David, the descendant of Abraham and David. I've really got to go back into the Old Testament to find out why is this important? And of course, here we have it now. God made a promise to the descendant of Abraham and that descendant was Jesus Christ. Let's just read a little bit further. We're talking about salvation, right? It goes on saying, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. Now, remember the Samaritans, when they listened to Jesus, they said, hey, he's the saviour of the world, Jew and Greek. No matter what nationality, the word Greek means a, a non-Jew. They're the Greek word. So it can include us Australians, Chinese, Japanese, Alaskans. It doesn't matter where they come from. As many as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. They are all one in Christ. So this could be you. Could be somebody else here. As you look around the hall, say, you know, if I'm baptised into Christ, I've put on Christ. And if you be Christ, baptised into Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and an heir of the promise. Hey, this is the way Jesus is the saviour of the world. That by identifying with Jesus Christ, understanding what's involved in his message of salvation, that God's revealed regarding this message of salvation in Jesus Christ, we can share in the promise that God made to Abraham. And what was that promise again? Well, we saw what it was. The promise was you can have eternal life on the earth with Abraham and Jesus Christ. It's not very difficult to just think through what God's saying. So by baptism into Christ, so what do these promises here that we can share? We can be heir of the promise made to Abraham through baptism into Jesus Christ. And baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. We deal with that subject on another occasion. But it's so imperative. Sin's the problem that separates us from God. Sin, as it were, pays wages. And the wages are called death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life. So just look at this. God promised the land to Abraham and to his seed forever. In the New Testament, Paul, thinking about that, says, for the promise that Abraham should be heir of the world. Ah, oh, when he said, look, north, south, east and west, it wasn't just to the limit that he could look. He says, really, he's saying the world is being offered to Abraham and to Jesus Christ as an eternal inheritance. So the promise was that Abraham should be heir of the world. And in Luke it says, this is Jesus speaking, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. Ah, so the world's going to be transformed into God's kingdom on earth. And you'll see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob there. They're dead now. They're going to be raised to life to inherit that promise God made. This is a bit serious, isn't it? And there's going to be people cast out because they didn't listen. They shall come from the east, China, as far as the, as the Middle East is concerned, the west, I suppose that's Mexico and America, from the north, Russia, Ukraine, uh, all through there, and the south, that's people like us down here in New Zealanders. If we respond to the gospel of salvation but by baptism into Jesus Christ, the good news, the word gospel means good news, the good news is that we can inherit that promise made to Abraham, which entails being in the kingdom of God on earth with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Jesus Christ, the prophets, and anyone else throughout the world, like those Samaritans who said, the God of Israel is the only God and he's the saviour of the world. And Jesus Christ, you've been sent to be God's salvation of the world. So we can be in the kingdom of God. Now, I can just read that through to you and you say, oh yeah, I see that. No, 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 stop and think. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be people saying, why didn't I check this out? My church said this and it wasn't right at all. I thought our church promised we'd go here or there. And it's not happened. It's here on earth, the kingdom. And you'll be so you know, weeping and gnashing. I should have done something. Because they'll be thrust out. So no, no place for you. You didn't find out what the truth was in Jesus Christ. So as we bring this talk to an end, Jesus said to the woman, you worship, you know not what. It is very important to find out what we worship and is it the truth regarding the God we worship and Jesus Christ. And I have found throughout my life that many, many people in different churches and I've been to quite a lot of churches to talk to people, they have no idea what the Bible says. And you say, well, let's read a Bible. Oh yeah, I've got a Bible somewhere. My grandmother gave it to me or something and they've never read it. If it's God's word, read it and find out. This woman, Jesus said, you don't know what you worship. Salvation is of the Jews. We need to get back to what God said, who's the God of Israel. John chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. I know that Messiah cometh and is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said that I that speak am he. Sit down and find out what he says. Find the truth of what he's saying. Read it in context. The Samaritans said, we have heard him ourselves and we know indeed that he is Christ, the saviour of the world. So it's very, very imperative that we spend a bit of time. And look, we'd love to spend the time with you just doing what we've done tonight. So let's sit down and open the Bible. Just read it together. Read it in context. It's, it's not complicated. It's just a matter of reading and finding out what it says. In thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Do you realise? It's worth colouring this in. That's the last words we have recorded of God speaking to Abraham. The last words God said to Abraham, it's in Genesis chapter 22. There's no more conversation between God and Abraham after this. God's last words to Abraham was, In your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Not just Jews. Anyone that finds the truth concerning God and the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, they can be blessed. 
Mark said, these are the last words in the book of Mark that Jesus gives as a commandment. He says to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news. Gospel is good news. Preach the good news to every creature. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. Find out what God told the Jews. It's for all the world, not just for Jews, but God did to reveal it to the Jews. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise that God made to Abraham. Well, what it tells us is we must be persistent like this woman to seek the way to worship God in spirit and truth. That's true, isn't it? If, if you really want to do it genuinely, it's not just a matter of saying, well, I go along and I belong to this church and we go down and then I'll do it. That's not... That's, that's just frivolous. Find out what the truth is because we're going to worship God in spirit enthusiastically because we understand and manifest a spiritual mind based upon God's teaching and based upon the truth because he's the saviour of the world. I've no doubt this woman here will have responded to all of that teaching of Jesus Christ and she'll be seen as a descendant of Abraham through Jesus Christ by baptism into him. And if you respond to this message also, believe it or not, you could actually meet that woman in the kingdom of God. That's how important it is to follow this up. So we'd like to thank you for coming along tonight. We're happy to spend time talking to you about the hope of salvation that's revealed in the Bible. And so we... Uh, ask you to think these things through seriously and as I say we're happy to spend time helping you through that. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.